Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. I think we've made it. This is episode number 100, and to make it exceptional, I have two amazing guests today. I have Mark and Perrin. How's it going? Good. Who are the exceptional guys? Uh, it was supposed oh, to be you guys. But... Uh... Yeah, it's like 100 episodes. I can't believe we talk that much. And I can't believe that many people listen to us as well. They, like, <laughs> I was checking the stats. There's been like 600,000 downloads since the relaunch of the podcast as well. So it's kind of, kind of crazy. I think I calculated it's like I was talking for 100 years straight or something. You know, at some point we have to stop being surprised. And we are genuinely surprised every time we look. But... At some point, we have to accept that people kind of do like listening to us chat about random geeky stuff. Yeah, but like Pat Flynn always pretends he's surprised, so I'm doing the same, you know? (laughs) Yeah, good strategy. (laughs) You know, I just just copied the best. It's hard to even sort of like think about it in those terms. I mean, every time I record one of these, it's just two or three of us having a chat. And you really, it's hard to even imagine anyone else listening to it, even one person, let alone. Uh, yeah, I mean, we never thank the listeners as well. So I guess we can do it for the number 100. Then, uh, so thank you guys for listening. And we'll thank you again in 100 episodes, maybe a little bit before. <laughs> Basically, in this episode... We rarely talk about ourselves, except when it's in the context of making an argument in like a debate of the podcast and so on. But I think today what we wanted to do is kind of like come back on like what doing these 100 episodes have done and basically like how things were before and what we've learned during and essentially what has happened for us during that span of time. So if you don't care about like our personal journey or anything, you can just come back next week. And I think there's like an episode on the new European laws for outreaching, I think. Uh, GDPR, yeah. If you're not interested, it's okay. See you next week. If you actually want to hear about that, then just keep listening. And I think we should just start with basically when we started Atari Hacker. And when we started Atari Hacker, there was no podcast. I think it took a year for us to start the podcast, right? Or something like that. Was it? Yeah, we started it and then kind of it stopped it and then restarted it. And then that's when we have the sort of current iteration. That's when we, we started counting up towards towards 100. So actually, when we started Atari Hacker, we were in Singapore. We had a domain for like, I don't know, four or five months, you know, like uh, I was in, I was taking a, a, some, a winter off in Thailand at the time. And then Mark and I got a client that literally let us use one of his apartments in Singapore, which was really nice. So we ended up there for a week. And essentially, we were not super happy with the agency. I mean, it was going okay, but we were not like very inspired by it, I would say. What agency? Uh, the agency that we had at the time. We had the agency and health ambition at the time, essentially. But we wanted to like kind of like talk about more advanced stuff for marketing because, you know, when you get clients, you always end up doing the same basic stuff and we were more interested in more advanced stuff. And that's when we were also learning a lot from health ambition. Uh, just started to grow, etc. Has like was making money already, like pretty good money. Probably no, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't. It, it, we started Authority Hacker three months after we started Health and Mission. No it way. Made zero dollars at the time. No I way. You. We started it in January. We started Health and Mission in January. No, uh, and you're wrong. Yeah, but we started one year later. 
Oh yeah, yeah you're right. Actually, <laughs> like, you're wrong. It's like one say. year and three months. Later. Honestly, it's been such a long time that these <laughs> these things just sort of all blend together. Yeah, it's definitely not the same year because that's that year I spent the new year in Thailand and you were in Budapest. But when we started Health Ambition, it was the first week of January, and we we're both in the office yeah. and we had that office in. Uh, I think uh, I think a large amount of it, though, the inspiration came from you know we were doing all these pretty good things, or at least we thought back then on health emission. Yeah. And we kind of wanted to two things, like document them for ourselves and our the start of our team, which was a, sort of coming in then. And then the second thing was because, and this was just a kind of off the cuff wish, I guess, that it would force us to internalize the learnings and then it would make us better marketers, which at the time, I'm not sure how bought into that concept I was, but definitely now I think it's paid dividends. Yeah. So we had a health ambition. It was going okay. And we were just figuring out all these initial tactics that we have. Like I was playing a lot with like opt-in pop-ups and so on. If you check the first articles on Atari Hacker, you see some of that. In H Pro also there is some of that, etc. And yeah, also one thing that I was really feeling weird about when we started Tory Hacker. It's like on one end, you had the gray hat people that had very practical advice. And at the time, that was people like Matthew Woodwards, for example, or just people on like forums, like Black Hat Woods, Wicked Fire, etc. And you could talk like real things. And on the other end, you'd have the white hat people that would always be like, oh, just just do good content and, and you're going to rank and you know Google's going to take care of it. And they have an algorithm that understands where there's a good site and ranks you, etc. And I felt like this practical aspect was not in the white, like it, it didn't exist in the white hat side. And we kind of tried to go for something that's as practical as what the gray hat guys talk about, while also not breaking the terms of service. And for people that kind of want to do white hat SEO slash build a longer term business that doesn't break the rules, essentially. So that was the initial positioning. And I will not hide it. The initial inspiration for that was Matthew Woodward. I was like, I want to do Matthew Woodward in White Hat, basically. So it's because of him we're here, basically. Why did you, like, when we started Atari Hacker, like, I mean, what was your first goal, Mark? Our first goal? Yeah, what like, do you mean? Why, why did you want to do it, basically? Like, why did you say yes to this project? Oh, well, I think it was my idea, wasn't it? I don't remember. I mean, for the reasons I said, like we were doing all this marketing stuff for health ambition, we thought we might as well make a site about yeah. it at the same time. It'll help us get better and we can use it to teach ourselves, teach our team, and hopefully some other people might listen as well. I think we've always had, you especially, of kind of being able to look through the vast kind of whatever's out there in SEO land and separate the what's actually working from the 99% of it, which is bullshit. So I think there's a kind of, there's something there in terms of being able to communicate what actually works to people as well. So, yeah. yeah. But that's not what happened on the first blog post, right? If you go back to the first blog post, I think it's like the four skills you need to start an authority site or something. It's like the most generic article ever on this site. Uh, I don't unpublish it because it's a benchmark of like the worst thing we can do, you know? But, I think it was more a case of just getting started with something yeah. uh, and like figure it out along the way. I mean, that's actually a lot of people have that problem. You know, they, they think it has to be perfect on day one, but it really doesn't matter. Just like get some momentum behind you and, you know, that, that really works for us. But the thing is like, you know what's funny? We, you know, the logo 
is from day one. We still have the same yeah. to this day right now. The theme is still from day one. To this day, we're still running on Focus Blog. Not a great choice anymore. I don't think you should do it. The reason we don't do it anymore right now is because we're going to do a proper redesign this year. But hey, it actually takes us time. If you want to see one of our newer sites, we've just relaunched healthambition.com, actually. So if you want to go check that one out, it's probably more on par with what we recommend people do these but days. But that's a, it's, it's also a good sort of selling point. It's like, look, you yeah. don't have to be a technical expert. You don't have to be a, an amazing designer to make a really successful site. We're still on the, you know, with the Shutterstock logo as a, a <laughs> image for a logo. And, you know, a really terrible design site it doesn't really work well on mobile. But uh, it's it's surprising we do that well with such a bad site. But I think it's like people have enjoyed that part of like building websites with duct tape, you know? And the initial tutorials were very much about that, like how to do A-B testing without paying for Optimizely like the pop-up stuff, like all that stuff. And everything was like doing it with tools that cost less than $100 each. Uh, yeah, it was and, very and, sort of hacky, which was, I think, kind of where took inspiration from the name, I guess. And I don't want to say was because I, I, we try to still do this, you know? And I think like even if you check the latest posts we've published on the SEO tool stacks, I mean, like there's a free stack that you've put in there, pairing and so on. So to like, mostly we try to keep that spirit and we'll probably talk about things we're proud of but like one of the things that i'm quite proud of i think is that we've mostly tried to maintain that initial spirit that we have with the site and perrin does know that i fight a lot for it it's <laughs> true it's it's like it's like just like i don't think i want to jump I, you know what let's jump into it anyway so we had that initial spirit of like building stuff with duct tape like practical 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 don't talk about you talk about what people uh, what's going to help people and then if they like you enough then maybe you, t- you can talk to them about you but first you provide value that's kind of like always been the approach for this site and it's really really uh, something that i found really challenging is like maintaining that as we get more and more people writing the content so there was lewis and you last year danny is also writing mark you've been writing some posts as well etc and initially i was literally just in this living room in singapore writing these posts not always great, but trying to, to fit in that spirit and getting people to actually stick to this is like extremely difficult. Not because you guys are bad or anything, but more to in the sense of like maintaining the initial vision that was when we started the website, you know? Yeah, uh, I think it's just very different than, it's one of the things I'm proud of too. It's really, really different than what's out there. And it's difficult to grasp. And I think not to like toot my own horn, but to say that, a writer as experienced as I was when I came on and having been in the internet marketing world for as long as I had when I came on, to take as long as I did to grasp like the real spirit of Authority Hacker, which I would put like over six months for sure, where yeah. you know I would send articles and then you'd send it back to like, okay, but but what can people do when they read this? They need to be able to do something to their business after this is done. It makes me really proud looking back because it is really not the easiest thing to write. And when I go look at other marketing websites, I see this sort of like half-assed, like I need to publish an article type of content. And we really don't do that. Everything we publish is meant to help people with their businesses in some sort of actionable way. We're just like we're out there like trying to build our team, our writing team, Mark and I, and we had an interview with a guy yesterday and he asked about quality standards and I told him pretty much the same thing. I was like, you know, the the main benchmark of all of our content is that people have to be able to read it and then 
close that browser tab and then go do something to their business. And that is not an easy thing to do. It's, it's hard to also just come up with something new that people can do because we also, one of the things that annoys me as well in this industry is like people are always just rehashing. It's kind of the same stuff. Like you, you go read posts about guest posting, for example. It's like, come on, you've read one, you've read a hundred, you know? It's like they're, they're, nobody comes up with a, an original angle or anything like that. And I'm not saying that we manage to do it every time, but at least we try, you know? And it's... Yeah, I think it's, it's kind of like a fundamental part of online marketing is like all of the advanced complex stuff, that like really doesn't make that much of a difference. Like the core, like 10, 20% of activities, building a site, having some good content and building some links or doing some marketing. It's quite simple. And I know it might not seem that when you're first starting out, but looking at it now, there's so much of the stuff you read out there, you can essentially just discount. And therefore, as a blogger or a blog in this space, it's quite hard to come up with content repeatedly because it almost feels like we're repeating some things from time to time. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah. I, but that's good because it's these things that you should be focusing on. Yeah. It's like you assume that everyone that reads your site has read every single page of it as well. Yeah. It's like, and they know it as well as you do, but people don't. I mean, like, even like I talked to like, so I had a, a call with an H Pro member this morning and, you know, he, he bought our course and so on. So he's probably like in the most engaged part of the audience. And still, you know, there's plenty of things that we've talked about repeatedly on the blog that he didn't see yet or anything like that. And not to blame him, but just saying like, it's not, it's okay to repeat things a little bit. I think that's a lesson for people who, who build websites as well. But uh, I think just the unique angle or coming up with something new is, is quite, is all, is a big challenge. And personally, my personality is like, when I have nothing to say, I just don't say anything, you know? And that, I think that has translated in the, in the publication schedule of the blog as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, actually, like, I think people would be surprised to see just the huge amount of stuff that we have written but not published because we didn't yeah. feel like it was up to our editorial standards. I can think of like 30,000 words that I haven't published. Like one example <laughs> is we did this huge post on yeah, like trying to reverse engineer one of our main competitors for health ambition and it just didn't work. We didn't publish it. Recently, I started writing a post on on-page SEO, which should be one of the easiest topics to write. Like if you Google on-page SEO and you start looking at what's out there, it's just a checklist, right? And like that's true. Any on-page SEO guide is basically just just a checklist. What we realized though is that we had two options. We could either just repeat the checklist that everybody else had ad nauseum, or we could go run real experiments and try to find the the data that was not out there to see what actually moved the needle, which was a huge undertaking. And so we decided that that was the way to go. We didn't want to publish something that was just like everybody else. And so we tabled that for the future. We haven't published it yet, but it's still like 10,000 words yeah, sitting in our Google Drive. So I think we're all kind of proud of that. Like when we were in uh, Lisbon, because we go to Lisbon to like talk about the direction of Authority Hacker every year. And we were talking about like our strengths. The content is is for sure one of the things I think that we are all that we're all proud of. I just, I just want to say it sounds really cool when we talk about it like this, but it's really difficult when you actually have to run things. Though it's like I'm happy we can do it, and I'm happy we can afford to do it. But if you're thinking of doing something similar and you're listening to this podcast, just know that it's also 
it requires a, a huge degree of involvement in your content. You can't just outsource content and not be involved. I mean, even when you when you write the blog, like you've been writing the blog for over a year now, but like we're still here. We're like we're, we're always like giving feedback, talking about it, etc., to maintain this, and mostly because we want to stick to this vision, etc. And now, like now, you get it. You can do it. But it's like it took a huge degree of involvement to to get to this uh, this type of writing essentially with you. And if it was hard with you, I can imagine it would be very difficult with many people. And we just argue about stuff all the time. Like oh yeah. Like when when a piece of content and it's one of the things that that makes our content something that we're proud of, I think, as like a brand, is that when a piece of content gets turned in at Authority Hacker, it like goes through the ringer, you know? Like if there's something that's wrong, it's gonna be brought up. Or like if it's just not good, somebody's gonna say something. And we debate every piece of content that comes through. And so like if one of our writers submits content, there's two other people who are touching it and like sending it back for revisions and stuff. So it's it's very, very far from what you might think of as like traditional outsource content. Yeah, some articles take like two months to get yeah. out. Or something. It's, it's that long. I think we should go back to the outline of this podcast though. And uh, the outline was, let's talk about the biggest milestones. And I think Mark, you should talk about that actually. Yeah, so I mean... <laughs> you were totally prepared for that. Yeah, I was. <laughs> you don't want to do it <laughs> I, I can't even see it in the notes <laughs> so we've got it's, the history of authority hacker and we kind of know what it looked like at the at the start what would you say if if you were going to give us mark like three or four main highlights of like the timeline of authority hacker from birth to now what would you say those big oh okay easy so I mean the first real big launch that we did with Authority Hacker Pro, which was, I, I think we had the, I forget what it was called, uh, Double Your Leads or, so it was basically... No, okay, let me explain how it started. The, the first, first product that we sold on Authority Hacker was five videos on using opt-in pop-ups to build your list. Opt-in pop-up mastery, yes. Yes. And essentially, oh I made was that what it was called? Yes. Oh, man. Yeah, you, if you want some more cheese on it, just tell me. But <laughs> anyway, we, it was like five or six videos. Um, like we were doing really well with pop-ups at the time, uh, still do. And so it was just videos showing this. And I've made like a quick sales page that would people would see after they opt-in anywhere on the site. Essentially, it would redirect after you opt-in. And it, we would sell it for $19, I think. And so I was like, yeah, you know, let's try it. And I built the whole thing in like 10 days. We did it. And then we started making, I don't know, something like five sales a week or something. So definitely not rich, but like there was some interest. We were like, okay. And so what I did then is I did a whole, like, I think I did another 20 videos on just building your list with things like content upgrades, with like a bit of Facebook ads, a bit of everything. And essentially like we call it double your leads, I think. Which was totally based on double your dating by David D'Angelo, if I if I remember. So we did that, and that was a one-click upsell, and we sold it for one hundred ninety-seven dollars. I remember, and it was so. First, you bought the the nineteen dollars, and then you would get one-click upsell to the one hundred ninety-seven dollars. And we did sell quite a few actually. So the revenue forexed or something on this funnel. So that was maybe like a thousand thousand dollars a month or something. And we're like, okay, there's interest for courses and, and people are ready to pay quite a bit of money for these. And so that's when we decided to do a membership. And membership as in you would pay every month, say we'd add content every month. 
So we started doing this. That was essentially a Toy Hacker Pro. I think there was like four or five blueprints on day one. And then we pre-launched it at $38.80 per month, if I remember correctly. We just emailed at least three times, I think, and that's it. And we put a sales page out. There was no scarcity, no nothing. Do you remember how much money we made back then? I think it was about 15K or something in the first month. I think, really? Yeah. Okay. I thought it was less, but okay. No, that's, maybe. that's, that's what wow. I said. You know, that was like the first kind of significant milestone was like, oh, actually, there's probably something here. Oh, take it over then. Yeah. I mean, I love it when people answer their own questions. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> that was, I definitely, that was like the first milestone. Like, okay, you know, this could be a real, a real business. Not that it wasn't before, but it was a huge step up. About six months, nine months later, we got rid of the monthly pricing and went to a sort of one off pricing and so sold most of the people on the upsell to like a, a one off pricing. And that was, I forget, it was like ATK or something like that. But we did a podcast about this uh, before with the... No, we made a lot less. I think we made a lot less. The first, 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 was first it? time, I think we made like 30K. Okay. I, we have a podcast where we did where we <laughs> went through the actual numbers. But whatever it was, 30K, 80K, it was, it was a significant <laughs> amount of money at the time. And then... So like fast forward another six months to 2016 September, which our first real like six figure launch for, for Dory Acre Pro. And we spent ages kind of like studying how other people did it. Shout out to uh, Video Fruit. Actually, there's some really good articles over there about how they structured their launches. And we, we basically lifted their template straight up. I think, Gail, you, you uh, whose webinar system were you using? Russell Branson. I yeah. think he's, he still sells it, uh, per the perfect webinar formula. I think it's really, really good. Good training if you want some webinar training. And so like our fundamentals were there in terms of how we structured it. It was still a bit rough around the edges in terms of presentation and design and sales page design and this, all these kinds of things, which to be honest, are still a bit of an issue. But it really, we were very, very surprised at just how well it did. And that sort of, I guess, catapult. It's kind of the first time Atari Hacker made any real money. Like for a long time, we've been like before Atari Hacker Pro came up, like it's not like we just launched it and it was our plan from the beginning. Like it took like a year to get here, a year and a half even. So it was the first time that site was making decent money because we refused to promote Bluehost and other cheesy affiliate offers. So it wasn't actually making a lot of money before that. Yeah, it's really hard to find uh, good affiliate offers to promote when you're honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that was that was probably the biggest milestone. Is like such a step up from where we were before, and that led us down the path to create the Authority Site System Task, which is our beginners focused product, which we released 14 months ago. And I think the release of that was cool. But what's even better was the steady stream. A billion of- dollars. Yeah, a steady stream of people just in our Facebook groups posting screenshots. Hey, I quit my job now or like some massive upward spike in analytics or Amazon or or something like that. And when you're building these kind of courses, you sort of say, well, it worked for me. It should work for everyone else. But you never really know until like a lot of people start going through it. So I think that recently, like in the last six months, I've seen a lot more of those come through. So it's always kind of reassuring and comforting that we're going in the right direction i've actually listed like all the 
like success, success stories from the Facebook groups and so on. And there's more than 50 actually that we have so far that have posted. A lot of people probably haven't posted and so on, but like just that have shared on the Facebook group. Which is really good, actually. Yeah, so it's it's great to see like the outcome from like a you know actual impact per side of things rather than just how many things did we sell as well. I would say that's yeah, uh, right. one of the things I'm most proud of, and we talked uh, about a couple of things that we're proud of already. But let's make a segment out of that and go through and talk about a few things each. That looking back on this journey of a company what things we feel like we are most proud of. And you guys have been here longer than me, so you guys can start. And maybe we can like do like a round robin alternate here instead of just giving a laundry list. But Gail, why don't you start and tell us one uh, thing okay. you're proud of. Okay. okay. One thing I'm quite happy about is, so when I read a lot of online marketing blogs, I feel like that's all people do at the end. Like that's, the, that's, how they, that's all they do. I'm quite proud that we're still running health ambition and other sites and building other sites. And, you know, because you read these blogs and they tell you how to make money by teaching people how to make money, you know? And, and I find it incredibly hypocritical, to be honest, because they tell people to go in niches that just don't work the same way. Like the health niche works so differently from the online marketing niche. We are involved in other niches as well. And it, once again, it's kind of like their own beast. But the fact that we are st- Still working, like, I mean, all morning I was working not on Atari Hacker, right? I was doing other things for other sites. And the fact that we're doing that, we're making good money from our other sites and, and essentially doing what we tell people to do makes me happy and proud, not just making money from teaching them how to do something that we don't do. I think that's cool. Mark, lay one on us, man. What are you proud of? I think the thing I'm most proud of is the uh, when we did last summer we had an in-person meetup. So we flew in everyone, the whole Authority Hacker team to Budapest, and we met up face to face there. And it just felt like everyone's rela- or my relationship at least with everyone that completely changed after that. You know, Perrin, you were not just some random robot speaking in Slack on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. You were actually a real person. Wow, I'm glad <laughs> These- you feel that way now. <laughs> Yeah, most people believe I'm an AI project. Yeah, yeah I'm still not uh, 100% told that you're not, but yeah. <laughs> For me, there was just a huge like mental shift, and it suddenly felt like, all right, we're not just a bunch of guys on the internet making a blog. We're, we're a real company now. So yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I would say one of the things I'm proud of is I think just joining the team was pretty huge for me. Because at the time, I was blogging at another place where I didn't have a lot of freedom. And let's just say where it was. Like, I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, it was Niche Pursuits. And I love Spencer, but for sure, our visions were not aligned with each other. I didn't feel like I was learning a lot. And I didn't feel like I had the freedom to really write a whole lot. When I joined Authority Hacker, it was at a time where, like, you and I were becoming pretty good friends, Gail. And we were on Skype talking about marketing all the time anyway. So when I left Niche Pursuits, it was pretty easy to say like, oh yeah, well, we should definitely work together. But I didn't know what to expect really when I joined the team. And pretty much as soon as I joined, I felt like I had a real home doing something that I loved with people I really respected and writing about stuff that was highly, highly interesting to me and with the freedom of like actually being able to do stuff and experiment and putting lots of energy into content and creating stuff 
that people could really use and could help them in a really actionable way. So I think when I look back on like the last five years of my life, joining Authority Hacker is like for sure one of the highlights. And I'm proud of it. I'm proud that, you know, I went from, I like made that transition of like going from a cubicle to working at Niche Pursuits, which was an overall positive experience. And then ultimately like finding, you know, a home at Authority Hacker. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, it was definitely, it helped a lot back then as well. Uh, by the way, while we're on the topic, a lot of people believe that we push you away from niche pursuits. Do they really? uh, let's just, yeah, so a lot of people bring it up when I talk about you. So I'm just going to say here, yeah, we didn't do it actually. You guys stopped working yeah. together. And then at the same time, like you basically joined us like the day after or something, but we never came to tell you quit no. niche pursuits and come No, and people it. have made those offers to me, but Gail and Mark were not those people for sure i think it's a good time to bring it up because i've been hearing that for over a year now so but i'm gonna say another thing that i'm quite happy about i think i briefly mentioned it is like not falling into the im cheese too much uh, i know we do a little bit of it like you know when we use scarcity for promotions etc sometimes i'm sure some people are rolling their eyes the truth is it works and it increases sales and the same way we teach you how to make better sales where we use these same tactics in our business. So uh, I feel it's not hypocritical in the sense that we teach it and we apply it. But the things like the Bluehost recommendation, because well, Bluehost pays twice more than any other hosting recommendation. We believe SiteGround is better. They pay us less money, but you know what? We think it's better. We don't have like a how to start a blog page on our homepage or something like this. We try to avoid promoting friends as well. And something that's been definitely interesting with, uh, with Strive lately, we haven't been recommending it a lot. Uh, we've had problems with it. We're, we're friends with Shane and Paul who uh, run Thrive, but the truth is Thrive Architect has also lost us quite a bit of money in launches this year, and we've been quite transparent about it, and we try to not put the friendship... Like We try to be honest regardless of how we know people and how friends we are, etc. doesn't mean we're not friends anymore. It means we just disagree on some points, you know? And I think also one thing I'm happy about is, um, like, in terms of cheese, is avoiding shiny objects. So... I don't know. I feel like when you read a lot of blogs, there's a new tactic that comes out every week, you know, and like you should jump on this, etc. And nobody has any time to apply anything and people just spin in circles. Well, maybe what we talk about tends to be all a lot about the same stuff, but that's the stuff that's actually making us money on our other sites. And it actually, we try to go deeper rather than broader, you know, and I feel like that's avoiding maybe a little bit of shiny object syndrome for some readers. So I think that's pretty cool. Mark, give us something else. Yeah, I think just the podcast itself. So, Gail, I mean, when we first started the original podcast, <laughs> it was basically just you talking. Uh, and I think you had a few interviews and stuff. And then you said to me, like, we actually need to do this and just make sure we do it every week. So, that, okay, I'll make sure we do it every week. And, uh, you know, I to, to be honest, I remember in the early days of a few episodes when it was basically just me listening to you talk about something I had no idea what you were really talking about. <laughs> But I just think like actually doing it and sort of figuring it out along the way. I mean, in the early days we had, we were talking about how to travel and like do live the digital nomad yeah. lifestyle. And we were just sort of, ex- and we realized nobody cared, yeah, you know? just sort of experimenting with all sorts of things. We're tr- trying to find our position really in that. And then we looked at the data, see what was working. And we used to have quite a few interviews as well. But then it's turned out that when it was just us talking, those episodes got much higher engagement. 
yeah, we sort of shifted things in that direction. And, you know, we weren't perfect. There definitely wasn't one a week on average uh, in the first year, but we sort of kept up the momentum. And last year, I, I remember at the end, it didn't really feel like there was any growth, but it was like plus 60% year on year or something like that for, from the start to the end of the year. So, yeah, it was pretty, pretty, pretty good, pretty happy that we've managed to actually keep doing it up to 100 episodes which is crazy. Yeah. I think not selling out on this podcast was good as well. Like it's like we do sell our courses when it happens and it's like we're not ashamed of it but at the same time we want to create space where like you know you won't be sold stuff. Yeah. So um, it's like the so, uh, you know we get loads of offers to advertise on this podcast sponsors yeah. but if anyone who's ever listened to the tim ferris podcast knows you just automatically just skip the first four and a half minutes of it but to get to the actual content like we don't want to be those guys you know i do want to pop in and yeah, say yeah, that if you haven't you should try blue apron it's some delicious recipes and they'll come right to your door what <laughs> okay <laughs> the first 386 right, people that sign up we'll get a 10 percent discount com slash authority no that's a joke yeah <laughs> no but i think it's good i think it's like i i like the idea of creating a non-sale space like it's like when we sell to you you know about it when we don't sell like when when it's not we're we're not trying to hide it or like you know sneak it in or whatever you you know you can come to this podcast every week and whether you're buying our courses or not you're just getting pure value there's nothing on top it's no bs no nothing no we're not tied to sponsors where we have to say good things about them or anything like that and you could see it with like the Ahrefs podcast for example like when we interviewed Tim like we are affiliates for for Ahrefs and they pay us money but they pay us money on sales they actually were one of the companies that wanted to sponsor the podcast but at the same time it would mean that there would be some kind of like ties to them and then we couldn't you know grill Tim on the DR update and that kind of stuff as well I'm sure they would be okay with it but still it, it doesn't feel like very neutral you know so yeah i'm pretty happy about that actually that the podcast is yeah it's gonna stay this way definitely i think something else i'm proud of and we touched on it a little bit but i want to maybe circle back to it real quick is the authority site system or TAS as the community kind of knows it now and I, i'm proud of that because it was so painful to create like <laughs> i don't know if, if anybody really knows this but we spent <laughs> about a month working on TAS and Dale sent me a Skype message and he was like, hey, you're going to hate me today. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I think we have to throw out everything and start over. And we, I mean, like we had recorded, I don't know, like 20, 30 videos videos, and I'd written probably 50,000 words. But we did that because we, we realized that we were just making like the same boring PowerPoint course that, you know, was just all theory, which wasn't in the spirit of Authority Hacker. And so we retooled it to one, build a site live so that people could see exactly how to do stuff. And then two, make it as step-by-step as possible. So we made like Trello boards and spreadsheets and basically just like made it only actionable content and nothing else, like no fluff and no real theory, although there is some. But it was so, so, so painful to create, but in the best kind of rewarding way. And so like I was actually really nervous when we launched Task because I was like, man, I put like so much blood and sweat into this thing. Like what if it doesn't sell? And I had to do the webinar. And so like, I, I think. Uh, the webinar was funny. You should say what happened. Yeah. So the webinar was, we recorded the whole webinar and Gail was like, yeah, it's like, we don't really necessarily like have to do it live. We just kind of maybe like 
record it and then we can pop in for live questions after because like we wanted it to be really tight and like kind of perfect and like just for the presentation part we wanted to pre-record it yeah. and we did and like i don't know was it like an hour before like 30 minutes before i was like tired i was like in my pajamas and gail was like hey this is not gonna work you have to do it live and like like <laughs> i was like i was sweating my heart dropped and then when we were closing that webinar on this thing that we had spent months and months and months creating i thought could really help people it represented pretty much like all of my knowledge about site building and all of my desire to help people get out of the like cubicle situation that I was in. And I didn't know if it was going to sell. I'd never do anything. I'd never done anything like that before. And it did. And so it was rewarding then when I saw that the product itself was a success. But then there was like this ongoing nervousness about like whether or not it was really helping people. And so to echo what Mark said earlier, as the screenshots started coming in of people like posting their site successes and like even some people quitting their jobs and people like making some good money because they followed our course and joined our community. It's been a pretty big sense of pride for me for sure. Yeah. It's like, it was hard, but it changed some people's life and it's kind of cool. Actually, it was definitely worth it. Yeah. I mean, in the same vein, age pro was kind of the same way. I mean, age pro was like, it's like, it was created over a longer period of time, but it was more of a marathon. I mean, there's like 180 videos, I think, that I recorded in there or something. And but like this was hard, but it's okay. What I'm really happy about is the kind of people that joined in and the community, yeah. you know? Like, I've been into a lot of Facebook groups and, you know, invited to talk in like, you know, Skype groups with people and Slack chats and all that stuff. But like, the advice, the kind of advice and the kind of people that are in the age pro group is like, is really cool. And it's like, you get really non real non-bullshit advice that can actually help you. And people have done this stuff. You can tell by the advice they give and so on. And you can tell a lot of people make good money as well. So it's kind of like, I I'm happy of like the way we've positioned it because the positioning has directly influenced the kind of people that joined. And now that makes it that much better. Of a yeah, community. I would say that's one of the things I'm I'm proud of most is the community we built. And I'm actually part of some communities that are rather like, you know, quote unquote, high profile. One in particular, that's a community that's invite only. Some of you may know, I'm not going to say their name because I do like the community, but it's invite only. And you uh, have, you have, there's like a pre prerequisite for like success that has to be demonstrated for you to even be invited. And it's a cool, cool community. There's hyper successful people in there. But when I look through like the Facebook group, it's so compared to authority hacker, it's just not nearly as substantial. And when you look at the authority hacker group, there's like not only real advice and people like digging in and spending real time to like help each other solve really hard problems. But there's also like a sense of friendship. And that's echoed when I think we went to Budapest and like we just kind of planned a team meeting and we said we were going. And all these people like who were kind of in the area in Europe traveled to hang out with us at the same time. And so we were there for our team and like we were doing work and we were doing some authority hacker planning. But at night we would go out and we would get to hang out with all these people who were in our community and we made all these real friends. And so it was it, it was this transcendent sort of experience where it was like, oh yeah, like it's 
this community on Facebook cares so much that they're willing to come like hang out with us and meet each other. And it was just a really cool experience. And it definitely, the community in general is for sure something that I'm very proud of. You know, that after you say that, like so many people are going to want to come this summer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like, I know that I'm going to get all so these, like that, that person. I had if you want an invite, just email parentauthorityhacker.com and uh, request. Uh, he's organizing oh everything. <laughs> His phone number is still not <laughs> Okay. Okay. I think that's cool to talk about what we're proud of. But I think it's funnier to talk about what we're ashamed of. I think people are more interested in that uh, because it's funnier. So, what are you ashamed of, Mark? Oh, what do you feel uh, about <laughs> the last launch? <laughs> well, actually, I'm going to start with one which is much more recent, which not many people know about. So, about a month ago, I accidentally deleted our entire YouTube <laughs> channel. If you were previously a subscriber of Authority Hacker YouTube channel, uh, we, we're not really that active on YouTube as a kind of ongoing content, but we do use it to host all of the videos which you see on the, or you used to see the on the blog. So it's a complex situation, but we were m- like merging two Google Suite installations into one. And we straight up forgot that YouTube was tied to our old Google Plus page. Didn't really think that one through, did the migration anyway. And then we were like, wow, well, there must be a way to recover this, obviously. But no, there was not. And so we spent I spent a day trying to solve that and then eventually realized that it was gone. So we <laughs> lost our channel, we lost our videos, and we lost all our subscribers. Yeah, we lost 10,000 subscribers. Yeah. It's like that, you know, at the beginning of the year, we did like the stats yeah. last year versus this year, et cetera. It's like I was like, oh, the traffic grew sixty percent, the podcast grew seventy percent, and the YouTube channel went from ten thousand subscribers to twenty eight. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I remember I when mean, you like when I forgot who told me over Slack, but I just remember being like, I'm so glad that wasn't me. I'm 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 I'm, I'm so glad it was Mark. I'm so glad it was Mark. Yeah, so we also didn't have proper backups of everything. So we had to sort of rake around everyone's Google drives and personal computer storage and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was a wake up call. We need to back this stuff up more often and take take better care of, of this kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, USB drives and everything found a few bitcoins <laughs> lost on some of them. Yeah, it was just a nightmare to fix. And everyone, of course, was commenting on the blog. Like, oh, I can't see the video of this post that we just published the Amazon one back then. And that was and all sorts part of, of it, stuff for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And there was like a bunch of other issues with, with that as well, like documents changing URLs and stuff, which we also had to fix at the time. So it was just a fairly uh, stressful, stressful week. We recovered about 90% of the videos. There's a bunch that are still missing from some blog posts. So we need to uh, to work on reshooting those shortly. But that sucked. I've definitely been embarrassed by a few pieces of content that I put out with, mostly with mistakes in them. Uh, one in particular I put out, it, it was the uh, link building services piece, which overall I think is good. But we got some inaccuracies right, which sometimes isn't a huge deal. But if you're like trashing a company <laughs> that you think is doing really bad work and you get something wrong, you can usually expect to hear from them. The week that we released that, I was on vacation. So I was like sitting on a beach 
And I literally was like, I like had my feet in the sand and I opened up my computer to check my email. And Gail was just like, what the fuck is going on? Because <laughs> there was like all this backlash and like all these communities. So I had to scramble to like correct things and handle some like PR in the comments and stuff. And like we emailed a few people and in the end it was fine, but it was for sure a hard lesson learned. Like we have this reputation of extreme honesty and we are for sure white hat and we don't like people doing shady stuff, not shady on Google standards, but like, you know, selling people things that are, they say are safe and aren't or that sort of thing. And so we don't mind writing this sort of article, but it was definitely a wake up call, like to cross all my I's and dot all my T's before we publish something where we are going to be writing some, you know, like writing a negative review of something. Yeah. And I think like just general editorial, what's the word, like niceties are relevant here. So when we did the more more recent reviews of a, a number of email providers, I remember Lewis actually reached out to them all before we published and said, hey, we've run this test. This is our results. Is there anything you want to comment or add to it yeah. before we publish? Just to make sure we, we didn't get anything wrong. We, we still published the results as we got them, but it just sort of ensured that nobody was being misrepresented, I guess. Yeah, in it. That's how yeah. journalists do it, you yeah. know? Like proper journalists have yeah, to do so it. Yeah, so we, we like, and, and that's something that I don't think until then that we had really taken that seriously. Is that like, when we are talking about companies who are like, when we have an audience like the one we have and we have the influence that we have, which I think we underestimate often, we have to employ real journalistic standards to when we're publishing something like that. And it was a hard knock, I think. I I was really not happy with myself that week, the week of my vacation, but it was a good lesson to learn overall. Yeah, don't worry. You know, like when it was Black Friday, so for Black Friday, what we did is we took the authorized system, we offered a bit of a discount for like 72 hours or something. And there was an upsell page behind that essentially offered to to upgrade to Authority Hacker Pro, which is, you know, the more complete course with like those three stages of site stuff, etc. Except I built the upsell page without putting the no thank you link on it. So people could not refuse the upsell <laughs> after I forgot buying. about that. Oh, man. <laughs> it took us something like 48 hours to even realize that was the case. And we were like, why are people complaining? I don't understand, etc. If anyone's and, wondering, well, I don't yeah. think the net results of that were good. And I would definitely not recommend no. doing such a thing yourself, even if you're a super shady marketer listening to this. It was pretty bad. <laughs> That wasn't the point. Like it wasn't like we didn't do it on purpose. Like if we did, I would have said it literally, but we didn't. And actually we got refunds for that and so on. It wasn't a good experience at all. It was stupid. And, you know, in these, on these kind of pages, you need to be so careful. And yeah, I forgot. Oops. You know what? One of my favorite ones that are mistakes that you guys made is <laughs> it's <laughs> renting the office. I remember the whole emotional journey, just from my outside point of view, like the excitement, the buildup, and then the crash and burn. So maybe you guys can talk about that one. I think it's <laughs> yeah, I mean, we did story. a whole podcast on this yeah, uh, before. We'll link to it. But basically, the rule is now, if we ever consider getting an office, again, we have to listen to that podcast together to remind ourselves why it was, was bad. I still believe at some point we'll try again and crash again. <laughs> I believe it. It's just like we'll find a reason yeah. to fuck it up. So, yeah, 
And we did another podcast, so we're not, I'm not going to go too long on this, but on the, our last launch, I mean, several things happened. Uh, we did a whole podcast, but like essentially I was presenting the webinar to essentially sell Tori Hacker Pro at the end. And the whole website went down in the middle of the presentation. I had to go and talk to the hosting while presenting live to like 1,500 <laughs> people or something. And if I couldn't get the site live, literally the landing page at the end was a 404 <laughs> error and that was a lot of money lost. So, and Mark was like messaging me on Slack, but I literally just could not message him because I was like doing so many things at once. So he had no idea what was going on. He was just writing. I could see it, but I couldn't write to the chat, write to him and talk at the same time over my PowerPoint. Well, nobody noticed. I, I think nobody noticed on the, on the webinar. We also forgot to send reminders for that webinar just before, so we probably lost My audio people. didn't work and on top of either, that, so I couldn't join and yeah. speak. Yeah, we couldn't hear each, we couldn't hear each other. <laughs> and also, our sales page was, well, it's the Strive Architect fuck-up, essentially, but we also did not check it on multiple devices. So I would say probably the, the mistake is shared between us and Strive Architect. We've talked about this in this podcast. We'll link to that in the show notes. I think the URL for this podcast that you're listening to right now is com slash 100. So if you go there, you'll find the link to the other podcast. But yeah, that was a pretty big fuck-up, like a pretty big fucked-up. Yeah, I think out of all of the mistakes we've talked talked about so far that's probably the most expensive one yes definitely and but like we've tried to be transparent about it that's why we did i think the like right after we did a podcast and explain the whole situation be like well it's like we're we're trying to do our best here sorry for any kind of uh interruption of service you know but uh i mean it turned out okay and it's you know what if we made mistakes it's okay that it's like normal that we make less money that's it yeah. Any other mistakes? The, the webinar, though, yeah, I was just—I I always think about how how much respect I gained for you that day because if that had happened to me, like on the task <laughs> webinar that I was so nervous about, I would have just had a meltdown. Like I, I would have been like, "All right, guys, well, this obviously is gonna work. I'll talk to you later." Yeah, I didn't yeah. even say it. You know, it's like I still had like fifty slides or something. So it's like I was like, "Well, I have I have like half an hour to like go through." It was really slow, right? It sounds like amazing when I say it, but you know, I would do three slides, then send like type half a message to the support, and then do three slides, tap another half, etc., and just like more or less kind of like process what I need to do, but with ten percent of my brain because ninety percent was on the presentation and so on. It was, but since I talk fast, maybe I talk slower, and maybe it was maybe. better for the webinar. You know? I don't know. Maybe it was a good thing, you know. Anyway, do you guys have any other stories you want to share? I think or? I think we've got we've gone over stuff we're proud of. We've gone over some of our dumb mistakes. I know you guys like those because you are a cruel audience full of savages. But I want to talk about what the future looks like. So we've we've come a long way on the Authority Hacker journey. You guys, especially, you know, I've I've been here for a couple of years now, but you guys have been doing this for a long time. And we've made a ton of progress and we look so different, even from when I joined and for sure when we started writing that first generic blog post. What do you guys feel like the future looks like maybe in the next year or the next five years? What can people expect? And I promise we're not going to sell you anything right now. I know that's kind of how sales pitches start, but what does it look like? I mean, for us, I think it's like, I'm happy with the edge we've established and I'm happy with kind of like, it's like what we do is a bit different from what everyone else does to some extent, I think. And I'm happy with that. But I think it's easy to to be happy with what you've done and, and get lazy. I think the challenge is to maintain it and maybe just, you know, sharpen it even more and so on. 
so I think for us this year, it's all about taking all that stuff that we've talked about on the blog, on Autodia Hacker Pro, et cetera, and kind of like put a fresh coat of painting on it and not just make it look better, but also just like talk about improving the tactics that we've already been working on. Like we now we had some time to improve them, to do some more things, et cetera. So it can be time for me to start recording new videos soon, uh, both for TAS and HPro. And yeah, essentially just make sure that we don't get lazy and that uh, that that the reason why people started following us is still valid for a long time, you know? Yeah, I would say that I think probably one of the things I'm going to be working on, if you guys didn't know, I've taken over all the content side for Authority Hackers, so the blog and the podcast and eventually resuscitating our the YouTube channel. Yeah, and then the world. No big deal. <laughs> but as part of that, we're going to try to build a bigger team to publish more frequently just because our blog posts are so in-depth. It's it's very difficult for me to publish enough content on the blog to, I think, really help people as much as we possibly can. So we're going to try to like up the content production by building a bigger team. I'm really excited for both of those, and that should be probably happening this year. Mark, what are you excited about this year? Full redesign of, of, of the mm. site. So I'm sorry to say for anyone who's with Attach, but the Shutterstock guy is uh, is about to be killed <laughs> off uh, uh, so everything everything will change this the site will look a lot better load a lot better. i don't understand it's sorry so i said i don't I understand right. it's so tasteful uh, actually it was quite funny someone sent us a photo i think it was in vietnam uh where another company had obviously used the same image for i don't know a restaurant or something like oh, that book. you see the guy crop up every now and then so you know it's, it's kind of interesting on that but that was, as we said at the start, that was going to hacked together branding. And we, we now have a full-time designer working for us and we're taking things a bit more seriously. Just relaunched Health Ambition, if anyone wants to check that out. But we plan on really making Authority Hacker look amazing in future. And part of that is actually simplifying some of the things. Yeah, I think we'll talk about this. Like, I think, I don't know if you guys we want to do a podcast on Health Ambition, but maybe we should do it. We should talk about kind of like what we're sure. going for for new sites, actually. Maybe that's going to be a future episode. Yeah, that's going to be nice, actually. I think, uh, so I think like I think big updates to yeah, Authority Hacker Pro and to TAS this year as well. Um, like completely yeah, yeah, redoing yeah. some of the blueprints, bringing everything into to 2018 and generally upping the quality of it. And, well, you yeah. know, which is not easy to do because I think our quality standards were really high anyway. But since first publishing those courses we have tons tons of feedback and we have learned some new things and the internet marketing landscape has changed so they deserve some updates and we have some good new stuff to put in there what about the next five years what do you guys feel like are some of the things that people might expect or that you're excited for in the aside from getting a new office you mean oh yeah the new office no, there, there'll be a new office, we'll leave it, then another one, and we'll, leave, we'll be about to leave it. That's good. That point. One of the things I really want to do is some kind of live wow. event without making it a super cheesy conference or something. Like, I don't know exactly what, but I, I know I want to do something like that. Yeah, should be fun. I kind of want to, like, for me, I'm also excited about developing our other sites, actually. Like, Atari Hacker is great as well, and I want to... Like, we're not really the guys that are going to be launching a new hype thing every two weeks. We will probably have, like, we are talking now about making more specialist products. So, like, like right now, we are talking about, at some point, making a folding building course that's, like, really, really in-depth. And if this goes well, then we can do it for other topics. 
But I'm also excited just about our portfolio of other sites, actually. I want to spend quite a bit of time on that. And I think that's going to make Atari Hacker better as well. Like when we grow that, we have more things to talk about, more tests that we run on our sites and so on. Like we're about to start a lot of like CRO stuff on health ambition. And we are actually going to make blog posts about that and so on. So I am actually excited about the other sites that we're starting, sites we might be acquiring, the existing sites that we will be growing, and then just having that huge pool of data and things that we do and team that we can derive content from for Atari Hacker. I think Before we cool. sign off, I think it would be good to give a shout out to some of our specific community members who have been there for a long time and are always in the trenches helping people and have had some huge successes of their own. So shout out to, and, and you guys can jump in here too, shout out to people like Mark Jenner, Sebastian Schaefer, Kevin Espiritu, I'm so sorry if I butchered your name, Claire Groom, the webinar champion, she's on every single webinar we do, Michael Gillespie, sorry if I butchered your name there, Michael, my brother Eric, who's always in there helping people. Who else, guys? Uh, I think you've, you've quoted the main ones, actually. David Pidley as well is here a lot, uh, and he's helping people quite a bit. Mark Webster, that guy, I don't know who he is, but whatever. And Mark McDemon, yeah, these guys, there's a lot of them, actually. Stuart Walker is actually from Niche Hacks, is also uh, has good insights. I like yeah, for says. sure. I mean, and like, it's really rewarding to feel like I've been asleep because I'm in the U.S. and I wake up and someone has asked a question and then the community has jumped in there and offered so much help. So thank you so much, guys. Like it's it's these people who like I've met in person and are always helping with the community and have been there forever. I think Mark Jenner actually hasn't even gone through our courses. He just bought them and he's... Mark Jenner hasn't been through the course and doesn't listen to the <laughs> podcast. So anyway, it's like there's no point giving him a shout out, you know, <laughs> but he'll be chatting with you on yeah, Facebook. And actually about. some of the, we should give a shout out to maybe some of the people from other companies who come in to answer questions. So like Thomas Smale from FEI International is in our group and answers questions. Gregory Elfrank from Empire Flippers yeah, is in the group. Empire Tim Flippers. Sulo from AHREFs is in our group and he, he answers questions occasionally. So it's uh, thanks to you guys. I, I know you don't have to do that and uh, we really appreciate it. Yep, it's a really, really cool group. So anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening every week. It's kind of impressive to see more and more people listen. As for us, it's still a Skype call. It's hard to imagine that people <laughs> actually listen to this. <laughs> but uh, if you do and if you're still here, it means you probably liked it. So, yeah, thanks for supporting us. And yeah. we'll see you next week with something a little I bit more useful for the business. I just want to say next week, right? it, you absolutely have to listen to this, this episode. It's about the GDPR, which is a new law coming in in about six weeks time it doesn't matter if you're not from europe if you're if you have anyone who's a european citizen or who lives in europe or who may live in europe in future which is basically could be anyone if you have a big site then you have to listen to this there's big penalties if you don't it's not as scary as it sounds don't worry but uh, we got a really really knowledgeable lawyer to come in and give her advice on some things there so that's coming in one week's time Cool. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.